1: You're <laughs>
2: ki jai, Shri shri Jagannath Balev, Srimadhi Subhatra Devi, ki jai, Sri Garni Gauranitai ki jai, Srila Prabhupada, ki jai, Ritai Gaur Premanandi, Hari Hari Bo. <tries> Namo Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prashtaya Bhutle, Sri Mte Satsurup Das, Goswami Namo Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prashtaya Bhutle, Sri Mte Bhaktivedanta, Bhaktivedanta, Swami namo namaste saraswati devi garvani Pacharini mere vichen shreshme badi paschchatya shutarini Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vāsudevāya. <coughs> Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 2, entitled, Daksha Curses Lord Shiva, Text 19, is it? Eighteen. Oh, okay. Hmm. Text eighteen. I am to Deva. I am
1: to Deva
2: I am to Deva Yajana. Indrapindra dibir bava Indraendra dibir bava Indraendra dibir Sahabhagam na labatam Sahabhagam na labatam Devar devaganaadama Devar Deva Ganadama. I am to Deva Yajana Indra Pendra Debir Baba Sahabhagam Nalabatam. Devar Deva deva, Ganadama. Please chant. I am to Deva Yajana. Indra-pindra-dibhir-bhava. sahabha
1: Devaganadama.
2: I am to Deva Yajana Indra Pendra Debir Baba Sahabagam Nalabatam Devar Devaganadama. Anyone else? I am to Deva Yajana. Indra-pindra-dibhir-bhava sava gam nalabhata deva deva ganadama With meanings I am that to but devayajanin in the sacrifice of the demigods Indra Upendra Adipin with Indra Upendra and the others. Pava, Shiva. Shiva. Saha, Saha, along with. Phaagam, a portion. Na, not. Labhatam, should obtain. Devai. With the demigods. Devagana Adama, the lowest of all the demigods. Translation in purple by His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. It's a curse. The demigods are eligible to share in the oblations of sacrifice, but Lord Shiva, who is the lowest of all the demigods, should not have a share, should not have a share. Please repeat, please repeat, okay. <laughs> oh I was supposed to say, the demigods are eligible to share, the demigods are eligible in the oblations of sacrifice sacrifice. but Lord Shiva, Shiva, who is the lowest of all demigods, demigods,
1: should
2: should not have a share. Purport. Because of this curse, Shiva was deprived of his share in the oblations of Vedic sacrifices. It was due to the curse of Daksha, Srila Vishwana Chakravarti comments in his connection that Lord Shiva was saved from the calamity of taking part with other demigods who were all materialistic. Lord Shiva is the greatest devotee of the personality of Godhead and it is not fitting for him to eat or sit with materialistic persons like the demigods. Thus, the curse of Daksha was indirectly a blessing or Shiva would not have to eat or sit with other demigods who were too materialistic. There is a practical example set for us by Gauraki Das Babaji, Miraj, who used to sit on the side of a latrine to chant Hare Krishna. Many materialistic persons used to come and bother him and disturb his daily routine of chanting, so to avoid their company, he used to sit by the side of a latrine where materialistic persons would not go because of the filth and the obnoxious smell. However, Gargi Das Babaji Maharaj was so great that he was accepted as a spiritual master of such a great personality as His Divine Grace, Om Vishnupad, Sri Srimad Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Goswami Maraj, the conclusion is that Lord Shiva behaved in his own way to avoid materialistic persons who might disturb him in his prosecution of devotional service. So I will continue to 19 because somehow I got the impression from yesterday's class.
1: That
2: was this, this was this. Right. Yeah. So today it's 19. Yeah. Okay. Text 19. Nishidhyamana sasa dasyamukail Daksha giri traya vri sri chishtshapam Das madhvi nijam nikitanam Translation proposed. Maitreya continued. My dear Vidura, In spite of the requests of all the members of the sacrificial assembly, Daksha, in great anger, cursed Lord Shiva and then left the assembly and went back to his home, purport. Anger is so detrimental that even a great personality like Daksha, out of anger, left the arena where Brahma was presiding and all the great sages and pious and saintly persons were assembled. All of them requested him not to leave. But infuriated, he left, thinking that the auspicious place was not fit for him. Puffed up by his exalted position, he thought that no one was greater than he in argument. It appears that all the members of the assembly, including Lord Brahma, requested him not to be angry and leave their company but in spite of all these requests, he left. That is the effect of cruel anger. In Bhagavad Gita, therefore, it is advised that one who desires to make tangible advancement in spiritual consciousness must avoid three things. Lust, anger, and the mode of passion. Actually, we can see that lust, anger, and passion make a man crazy. Even though he be as great as Daksha. The very name Daksha suggests that he was expert in all material activities. But still, because of his aversion towards such a saintly personality as Shiva, he was attacked by these three enemies anger, lust, and passion. Lord Chaitanya therefore advised that one be very careful not to offend Vaishnavas. He compared offenses toward a Vaishnava to a mad elephant, as a mad elephant can do anything horrible. So when a person offends a Vaishnava, he can perform any abominable action. Omagyanate Gananjana shalakaya Shakshurun Militamina, Tasma Shri Gudavena Maha, Jai Shri Krishna, Chaitanya, Prabhunityananda, Shri Advaita Gadadar, Shri Vasadi Gorabhakta Vrinda, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Vancha Kalpa, Something just happened, high drama, somewhere in the heavenly realms, at this great sacrificial arena. High drama taking place. Amongst Prajapatis, actually, Daksha, he is uh, the chief of the Prajapatis, and um, a princip- one of the principal demigods, Lord Shiva. So there's discord, there's disharmony, like disrupting the atmosphere in that yagya that's about to take place. And it just goes to show, one would think, one would imagine, that in the upper realms, like the heavenly planets, or maybe even we'll go so far as to stretch it to the spiritual world, that there are places where we don't have beings, living entities, exhibiting these human-like emotions. Like we're seeing Daksha here, he is very much influenced by the mode of passion, by the low modes passion, and ignorance. And no matter how the other members of the sacrificial assembly, they try to pacify him, he refuses. He refuses to be mollified in any way because he's so very much consumed by the mode of passion. We are seeing here in the purport. at Prabhupada, he talks about lust, anger, and the mode of passion. So these modes of material nature that Krishna talks about in the Bhagavad Gita, they pervade every inch of the whole cosmic material manifestation. That's why in talks between Krishna and Rukmini, you have Rukmini, she's agreeing with Krishna after he teased her somewhat, trying to test her her love in anger. And she was saying, Actually, all these royal families in existence, they are not the real kings of the world. The kings of the world are the three modes of, and not just this earth planet, she says, the material world. So that encompasses the entire material creation. That who are really the kings of this cosmic manifestation? She says, it's the three modes of material. She says, you're right, my lord. It's the three modes of material nature. They are the controllers. So we're seeing even big VIPs like these are very important people. Here we have such words being used to describe this Prajapati Daksha, that he's expert, he's exalted, great as Daksha, he's a big manager, he has important service to do that's given to him by Brahma, by god his service is very very important this is like being in a meeting like an executive meeting and you have one manager coming and he just loses his cool you know and he's livid he's just carrying on making a scene against another one it's just awkward and uncomfortable and he drops down to such levels that it's really jaw-dropping you see like Daksha, he behaves as petulant as a child, you know, when children are quarreling. They get not just verb, verbal, but they get really low. They start to describe your body, your face. Oh, you're black and ugly. <laughs> like, uh, you have eyes like a monkey. This is a big prajapati. And he's fallen so low that he's name-calling. He has men- he's mentally offensive. He's been nursing this grievance for a long time. Let's take a little look back. Why, all of a sudden, this man is just bursting out and erupting like a volcano and spewing his lava on everyone? It didn't just happen just so. There's a backstory to it. What's the story? There's more to it than meets the eye. What it is that triggered this man up? Well, it's a long history. He's a progenitor, that means he can create progeny. That's why his very name, Daksha, means he's very expert in executing fruitive activities. He's very expert in creating progeny. So yeah, so he created progeny, a thousand sons. Who can do that? He has to be somebody really special, right? The Hari Ashwas. He created all his progeny, that's his service. And by the way, to do that service, you must have some passion. You must have some passion. So that's where the passion comes in. A thousand sons, you know, he's procreating. And he's a good father. He tells them, go and prepare yourself, you know, to be in proper consciousness to procreate as well, to take to family life. So he gives them good advice. There they go, wending their way along. And uh, they're sitting down. and then narad Muni comes happens to come by conveniently dropping all this cryptic talk for them and they understand and they get it and oh yeah yeah you know yeah you're right and then they, they realize like actually why do we have to go into this household life just give it up so you have the guru the preacher he comes and he makes these people, these parents, children, devotees, you know, Prabhupada had the problem too, like Nara. So they, they, they don't want to take to householder life. And uh, Daksha, he's upset about it, but he settles down and he accepts it begrudgingly with the Hari Ashwas. Okay, there you go. And he's so expert, he, he creates another thousand sons, the Savalashwas, Yeah. And Muni comes along again, he does the same thing, you know, he's a preacher and he, they, he convinced them, they are persuaded, all right, we won't take to this householder. This time, you know, this time, Daksha, he really can't take it with this, in, this meddling. He sees it as meddling with the devotees preaching to his children. He says, and so he curses Narendra Muni, as we heard from you, that you can't stay in one place. And Prabhupada said, I've inherited this curse. I have so many temples. They are all opulent. They have a house for me. They have facilities for me. And yet I cannot stay. I can only stay for a few days, like three days, and then I have to go my way, like that. So he said, I've inherited, and now you also are inheriting from me, the sannyasis. So we can see that Daksha had this resentment that's building against the devotees. It's like, I'm a law-abiding, legit, greyhasta, and you have these Hare Krishna devotees. They are only coming and interfering in my family life. So this, he's nursing, nursing this grudge. So then he says, you know what? I'll just have girls instead. He can decide. It's not just like us. We can't decide what gender. That's all up to karma, divina, nitrina. Sixty girls. Yes? Correct. Sixty girls, yeah. And he gets them duly married. He's a responsible dad. Very nicely. But then there's this one girl. And this one girl out of the 60 girls is the apple of his eye. She's the pet. That's the word that's used in the Bhagavatam. She's, she's daddy's girl. And that's sati. <laughs> that's sati. And then, you know, he wants the best. He wants the best for his girl. And that's where the beginning of the problem is his girl. The possessiveness, the identification with the body and the bodily extensions. And then Brahma suggests this outlandish character. This, why this Avaduti char- character, Shiva? And to top it all off, Sati likes him. <laughs> she likes him very much. She wants to get married to him. So Daksha, he agrees with the, his father. After all, Brahma, he is, his very body is composed of intelligence. He's an intelligent person. He knows what he's doing so he's making this match because we're seeing this couple shiva and sati they're in charge of they're actually the parents of all the living entities in the material world she's in charge of the material world she's durga you know she's in charge of the fortress here so she's she has this natural attraction and affinity for shiva And then there's another thing about daughters too. There's this affection that's naturally there between father and daughter, and mother and son. And the father, he's protective. But a lot of times, psychologically, there's a sort of subtle rivalry between um, the father and the one who's going to take over, the husband. That's there in the psyche sometimes. Like I remember, I, in one wedding, when the father told the prospective husband, I knew her first. <laughs> so that happens. So, so you're seeing here that, yeah, gradually, gradually, this thing is building up, building up this resentment, this grievance. And then now, in this yagya, we're seeing Shiva, everybody gets up and they greet Daksha. He's, he's feeling so very uh, wonderful and important. And this person's sitting down there and he thinks this, he, he just explodes. Because this, this grudge, this resentment's been building up, building up, building up. It's deep-seated. He's actually getting some kind of morbid delight out of it although he might not even be aware of it. That delight is there, like it's festering like a soul. And then it just erupts. It just bursts out. So it's only natural that it has to explode, you know, from being bottled up for so long when he sees that Shiva does not get up. And one might wonder, well, why didn't Shiva get up? There's many different explanations of why Shiva didn't. We see one in... The, the previous text text 18 today that Shiva behaved in his own way to avoid materialistic persons who might disturb him in his prosecution of devotional service so one thing we have to learn about we have to know about Shiva too and the Bhagavatam tells us that is Shiva is a person he can just plunk down on the floor here just like that out of the blue and going to the deepest beyond like deep sleep, turiya, meditation, he can go into such deep meditation that not even Parvati can rouse him. There's, There's mention of that in the Srimad Bhagavatam that she was trying to arouse him or stimulate him sexually, but he was so deep in meditation that he was way beyond that reach. He didn't even respond or react in any way. So he can do that. He can just plop down on the floor and he's deep in meditation on Sankarshan, on Krishna. And nobody can snap him out of it. And Daksha has to know that. And the thing is, Daksha does know that about about Shiva. The way he describes Shiva, he's not stupid. He's a son of the most intelligent person. He knows all these things, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Oh, he's a great devotee oh, you know, he takes care of all these souls, the rejects that nobody wants and they're afraid of, the bhutas, the Praetors, the ghosts, and forth. He knows all that, but he doesn't care. He cares about himself and his prestige. And these are symptoms of the modes of material nature that they manipulate us so very much and we identify with them so much that we're not even aware that we are being swayed by the modes of material nature. And we experience that in the material world. We might get up in the morning sometimes and we feel like crummy, we feel terrible. And we go on Sangina and we see like everybody seems to be sharing the same feeling. Sometimes you go on book distribution and everything's going wonderfully. Everyone's taking books, everyone's so jolly. And there's like a certain mode, like a certain setting. The mode is like a, the modes are like settings. That's what I, how I see it. So it's set to kind of like a little sattvic that day. And then another day you go and everybody's all grumpy and swollen up. And there is a certain mood, like ignorance, like grr, grr. Everybody, nobody's taking, nobody's taking. But the book, the street, the book distributor, we have to take it upon ourselves not to be affected by these modes, because we ourselves can be experiencing the modes, and then sometimes you have to fake it and you actually make it. You, or you just call and you draw on guru, sadhu, and shastra, the association of the sadhus who are there around, among you in physical proximity, like you, are, you become inspired by them, or you just uh, extract from your knowledge of Shastra and the philosophy to, uh, to propel us to do our service, to inspire us to do our service, and remember, remembering the mission, the purpose from guru. So guru, sadhu, and Shastra. So these modes are like that, and we're not aware. So it behooves us it's so very essential that there is spiritual education in society. So when the spiritual education is there and study of the philosophy, when one is feeling like in a certain way, one can actually like uh, move apart from that part of oneself and say, oh yes, I am being influenced and we can actually pinpoint and see I am being influenced more by the modes of ignorance and passion today. Or oh, I'm flying on this high cloud, you know, like maybe sattva is more in ascendance, like that. So we can learn to see through the eyes of scripture. Right now we're seeing this very important person, this exalted personality. He's so being puppeteered by the mode of passion and he's not aware of it. He refuses to even listen to good reason. They're all begging him, stay, stay, don't go. They don't want to spoil the ambience. Let's get on with the yagya. No. He's swollen up like a puri. You know, he's, and the thing is that we're not aware of it's just the modes of material nature. So let's um, see what Krishna says about the modes of material nature here in the chapter, chapter 14, uh, entitled The Three Modes of Material Nature. He's describing the symptoms of these modes of material nature and what they do to us. These are the kings. These are the controllers of the material world. So he's saying, "O son of Kunti, the mode of passion is born of unlimited desires and longings, and because of this, the embodied living entity is bound to material, fruitive actions, Purple. The mode of passion is characterized by the attraction between man and woman. Woman is attraction for man and vice versa. This is called the mode of passion. Well, we know that um, Daksha, he's very much into family life, the wife and the passion and all that. And when the mode of passion is increased, one develops the hankering for material enjoyment. He wants to enjoy sense gratification. For sense gratification, a man in the mode of passion wants some honor in society. And that's exactly what's going on here with Daksha. He wants to be honored. You know, he came, he initiated the yagya. You know, he's this big prajapati. He's training up others. He has so many children, he's doing his service very nicely. Like, he wants some
1: validation,
2: but he wants more than that. He wants to be number one. He wants to have a happy family, nice children, wife and house. These are the products of the modes of passion. As long as one is hankering after these things, he has to work very hard. In order to please one's wife, children, and society, and to keep up his prestige, one has to work. And uh, Daksha is a hard worker. Judging by the amount of children he has, even to take care of one child or two in this day and age is such a challenge. You know, long ago when we had these extended family homes, it didn't seem like there was so much stress and complaint when you had... The extended family helping and there was nice in inter- the interdependence they're all helping out each other now with a nuclear family you know you have like one child two children parents working a lot of stress very very challenging so much dysfunction so many broken homes so many people just uh, wounded uh, psychologically for the rest of their lives, coming from abusive backgrounds. But Daksha seemed to be doing pretty well here. So credit has to be given where credit is due. But yet, he got so very much carried away and that's the temptation, that's what happens. Even for those who are practicing spiritual life, sometimes we, um, with our service, so many... So many things come along, assets. One naturally acquires some name and fame, privileges, status, etc. And one might become carried away and forget what's the real purpose, what's the real goal of life. So that was Daksha's problem. He started to identify so much with himself in these different roles as a big progenitor. Can you imagine? Virility is such an important thing. With the genders in this world, you know, virility, um, being fertile, and so on. Look at him. You can have thousands of offspring. Can you imagine the pride, the arrogance? And here comes this Hare Krishna, Lord Shiva, and he's so like eccentric looking. Why are they praising him? I'm here. I'm Daksha. I'm the big guy, you know, with all the children. So he becomes greedy. He starts to identify with matter, with the body, with the bodily extensions, mode of passion, and then he degrades down to ignorance. Because we see he had the mental offense; he didn't care about Shiva. You know, he was envious. Of him, why is everybody checking him out and praising him? I'm here. You know, I'm the big guy. So he had mental offense, then verbal. You know, he's stoops so low as to name call and
3: uh,
2: insult someone describing their characteristics or facial features or bodily structure or dress. He becomes really, really personal. And then he, he becomes physical. I think it's physical because he says, no oblations for him. Don't give him anything. That, that's like an action. That's physical, you know? so. It's mental, it's verbal, physical, all the different levels he's offensive. And that's how one can degrade from the passion down to the ignorance. So he says, yeah, no ablations from the yagya for Shiva, none for him, I curse him. And then he flounces off in a huff. So mode of passion again, Krishna is giving a description of the mode of passion. He says... It is born of unlimited desires and longings. O son of Kunti, and because of this, the embodied living entity is bound to material, fruitive actions. Oh, I read that. That wasn't the one, I read that already. Oh yeah. O chief of Baratas, when there is an increase in the mode of passion, The symptoms of great attachment, fruitive activity, intense endeavor, and uncontrollable desire and hankering develop. So we see from the description here that Daksha, uh, he is exemplifying these different symptoms. Symptoms of great attachment, he's so attached he feels like he's the proprietor of his children and um, he wants to enjoy he wants he wants them to bend and bow to his will so he never really although he gave his daughter he never really gave her he was still so attached feeling himself the proprietor and as krishna says if we don't realize that krishna is the ultimate proprietor then there's no peace for us so he has this great attachment Fluid of activity, he's described in different terms in the Bhagavatam. He's described as a karmi, fluid of activity, you know, and he's also described as a karmi and a grahamidhi. That term is also used to describe him, a grahamidhi, one who is not a Krishna conscious ha- householder, but who wants to enjoy sense gratification, and he wants to enjoy vicariously through his children, too. He wants to have his own way and his will through his children. So one wonders, does he really care for them? Or is he enjoying sense gratification and living his life through the children? This can happen sometimes. Intense endeavor. Yes, he's a hard worker. He arranged this sacrifice. Uncontrollable desire. We're seeing that he, he actually... Um, could not control himself. He was beside himself at rage, uncontrollable desire for name and fame, and validation and hankering develop. So these modes of material nature, they're manipulating all of us and we all have our moments just like Daksha and we feel hopefully ashamed sometimes or guilty, so what's to be done? I mean, Rukmini, the goddess of fortune, she's saying they're the real controllers of the material world. You know, they're the real kings. How can we overcome these modes of material nature? We're just trotting along and being put on these different settings according to our past karma, the impressions we come with from a past life, the modes that we were in from before. It's all our fault. What's to be done? What is to be done? Well, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, he gives us some advice here. He's saying, I think it's 1424. Mamchayo is it 26 or 24? 26. Mamchayao vyabhi charena bhakti yogena sevate sagunan samati Titan brahma bhuyaya kalpate. Can anyone give the translation?
1: Is constantly engaged in serving with devotion, uh, they transcend the, the modes of material nature. They come to you, they say that they by, by consistent service, then uh, all the different modes, have on, and they reach the spiritual platform. From the Thank you. Unfailing.
2: Unfailing is, in all so. circumstances. So, one who engages in full devotional service, so, full, very significant word. Not uh, whimsically or temporarily or half-heartedly, but one who, that's a secret, one who engages in full devotional service, unfeeling on, in, all circumstances, in all circumstances, at once transcends the modes of material nature and attains to the level of Brahman. So it behooves us to somehow or the other reach out platform where we, whereby we can engage in full devotional service. So it's a whole science, and we can learn to engage in full devotional service with our body, mind, and senses through the help of Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra. So now for a little uh, participation here, we'd like to get some feedback. So we're asking if, you know, like through in one's personal experience or if you can give some Shastric story, where uh, one sees that through devotional service, in some form or fashion, we have uh, been able to overcome, if it's even just temporarily or momentarily, the lower modes of material nature.
3: Thank you. So, Jagai and Madai they um, were pretty sunk in the modes. And when um, Madai was going to again throw um, more pots or whatever uh, at Lord Nityananda, then uh, Jagai stopped him. And uh, they got the mercy of Lord Nityananda and Lord Chaitanya. And so, um, Especially Madai was very repentant and he was really concerned about um, his offenses and what to do, and so he was told to um, build a, the uh, bathing gut and then serve all the vaishnavas because he didn't know like, "Wow, you know, who did I offend? There's so many." And um, so he was told, just serve everybody that comes to the God." And so he did that and uh, they were uh, considered as uh, great vaishnava uh, brahmacharis they just you know served devotees and um, aver- overcome overcame uh, all of that passion and ignorance
0: of, uh, how she was took shelter Narayan, and then she, you know, she repented and reflected. Oh, what have I been doing? I've just been waiting for these, you know, suitors who are just, you know, these mortals, and bones and flesh, and and yeah, she had she had like a very powerful awakening transformation just from the experience of frustration. So even though she was in such a, you know, abominable kind of situation, um, that lesson of frustration. So, anyways, being observed that how how guru. He was observing, oh, I'm learning from her how through frustration one find it. He said, by observing the, the, the sadhu that was observing, you know, every time he observed a particular situation, he saw the guru principle in that circumstance. So in, in that one he saw, oh, when one meets frustration, then they take shelter of the Lord. And so her yeah, transformation just shows that just within that moment she went in and then took shelter and then, we sing her songs her songs are renowned in the vaishnav culture now
4: yeah i was also thinking about this other past time where um this this uh, i don't know if he was a sadhu or a brahmin or whatever and they had this devotee a uh, girl, and he was like going out of his way to make it to this to this uh, woman's house or prostitute's house or whatever. Right. And then when he, huh? Yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. And then when he made it, he was like jumping over fences and whatever. And then he made it, and then the woman told him like, if you just if you had just used this energy and this passion to like serve Krishna, then you would be like pure devotee. And then that's like when he reformed his whole life, and he took to de- took to devotional service. I have a personal story of um, transcending the lower modes involuntarily. Um, I, I was in Boston with my friend Kostuba. This was many, many many decades ago and he was given the unfortunate task of training someone on book distribution I was very reluctant to learn anything so every day it was it was a struggle because this Bhakta will actually chide him and chastise him and complain about his lack of advancement Kostuba's lack of advancement he thought he was just Not qualified to train someone as elevated and important as this new bhakta. So. uh, Better? Yeah. All right. So, Kostuva was doing this thankful task of trying to train a bhakta that was reluctant to be trained. and at the time, the temple, the Boston temple was full, so we didn't have any place to stay except for the lounge area, which was open to everybody all day long. So all, we had no privacy, all our sleeping gear and clothes, everything was there. And um, we would go out and book distribution all day and come back and get a little prasadam about 7 p.m. and uh, Eventually, I got tired of this bhakta, and I was about I was about to take prasadam, and then Kastuwa walks into the room, rolling his eyes, and the bhakta just chastises him, you know, from behind. Uh, you're not qualified. Or, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not advanced, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, at that point, I I just jump and said. Excuse me, you get us. You have to stop right now, and because this, I have to say that because the order came from Gunagrahi Maharaj, who was in charge of Kostuva's program. You know, he was doing it as a service to Gunagrahi Maharaj, so he didn't want to deviate from that. So I said, you you cannot talk to him like that. Matter of fact, you're just a punk, and you don't know anything and you should go home to your mother because we don't need people like you. We are trying to make uh, Brahmins and you're just a punk and you're totally immature, so just pack your things. No, Kasuba was the one training the, the Bhakta. I was, t- I was addressing the Bhakta. So pack your things and get the hell out. Go, go back to your mother. You don't deserve him talking to you or anybody. And, and that stopped him. He just his eyes were very large, and uh, he just froze. I said, "If you didn't hear, if you heard me correctly, just get get the hell out right now. Mm-hmm. Go, go away." And uh, so he left the room. And cause two of us, holding his head with his hands, thinking, "Oh my God, we lost another one, and you know, Kunagari Maharaj is gonna kill me for this." And uh, I told to you know, um, that wasn't done in anger because I'm still hungry. So uh, if I would have would have been angry with him, I would have lost my appetite, too. So let's eat and just forget about it. So the, the next day, the Bhakta came and apologized to both of us. And he actually became a nice devotee and got initiated and everything. So I... I don't know if I, I was angry or not, but I was upset that he was chastising a nice devotee who was trying to do a good service for him. So that was a case of transcending involuntarily uh, the lower modes of nature. I thought it was... Because the result is nice, I thought I will take this story and tell the story. If he blew up, I wouldn't tell it. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Mother Prementiary for the class um, i I'm actually at that place right now within you know in my service, you know having a f- a frustration and and feeling the frustration and also like mild anger and I don't like that feeling, <laughs> so you know do you just get down on your knees and ask Krishna for his mercy to remove that you know Every day, it's like, intellectually I can remove it. But in my heart, it needs purification. So, so how do we do that? You know, aside from reading and chanting, what do we ask for?
2: So we're rightly situated when we're taking shelter of our spiritual master and the sadhus, the devotees, and we're engaging in nice devotional service, really nice, nicely, wonderful attitude, like you're doing constantly, engaging in devotional service, and we just try to um, apply the teachings in our daily lives like once we have to kind of, we learn to be introspective more and more as we execute Krishna consciousness. Purification naturally takes place. And Krishna gives us that ability to introspect, to have higher self-awareness. And we can see, like, if we isolate our real self from that conditioned self, like, actually I'm being controlled by the modes of material nature. Why? And we do a, a lot of introspection, like sometimes... We're upset, like Daksha is upset here, it's like, why am I really upset? Why am I angry? Like Daksha, why is he really angry? Because he wants a control. So we apply the scriptures in our daily life. We might want to be in control of a certain viewpoint, a certain opinion, and if someone doesn't agree with us, we get very annoyed and, uh, you know, we blow some steam, you know, we become volatile so this attachment that we have so we apply the scriptures and then we realize like i'm really being controlled by the modes of material nature and uh i don't want that i want to be in touch with my real self i want to regain come back to my real self i refuse to be controlled by the modes of material nature it's easy to say that one suggestion Prabhupada makes in one of the purports in the Bhagavad Gita, says, usually like on the earthly planets, we're all in a mode of passion. And that usually degrades down to the mode of ignorance. So you have ignorance and passion. So you see, we can act in such a way where at least we come to the mode of goodness. We should not think like, oh yeah, you know, sattva, it's, not, it's nothing like pseudo So devotional service will definitely purify us. And sometimes we're under the impression, aspiring devotees, that, yeah, I'll just engage in devotional service and naturally I'll become sattvic and then launch from that into pseudo pure goodness. And that might be there, but it depends on the quality and the sustainability of one's service. You know, so if we do make a conscious effort as well, we, it, it's... It's wise, it's sagacious to make conscious effort to like, I want to transcend these lower modes at least. Let me come to the level of sattva. It's not a bad word. You know, sometimes you think, oh, sattva, no, that's not the best thing. But repeatedly we see in the Shastra, sattva guna is is seen as a launching pad. It's seen as a springboard, to springboard one. To Sutta sattva. so we have to make a, a conscious effort to try. Let me try, and um, we can learn how to try by observing devotees who have transcended the modes of material nature. How they deal, how they interact, how they relate with others. You know, that's that's what's called a sangha, sadhu sangha, real sangha. It's not just socializing alone on a superficial level, but it's taking taking shelter devotees and are watching closely, like examining, observing, like how, how they interact with the material energy. So we learn from the devotees, and we see that once we're doing that, we're taking that genuine association of the sadhu and trying to apply the scripture in our lives, then we'll see that gradually, gradually, we are making tangible spiritual advancement. We are becoming free from the moods. Would anyone like to give anything else? A reflection? A challenge perhaps? Another question? Anything else? If not, I guess we can end here. Thank you very much. Srimad Bhautam Ki Jai. Sri Prabhupada Ki Jai. Hedi Hedi bo.